0: There's a lot of stories, a lot of connection of where my family came from. And my dad and I would often secretly rate the stories behind our hands. And the longer the stories would be, we would sort of (laughs) (laughs) take down the points. (laughs) And my grandfather would jokingly say, well, it's a true story. It has to have a high mark because it's true. And... And that feels like a really phenomenal seed of where I came from, of, of telling true stories and connection and feeling this really deeply seated connection of being together.
1: We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who made changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Welcome back to Live the Width of Your Life. This week's guest is Veronique Ori. Veronique is a yoga instructor who uses storytelling and creative movement. Her passion is to guide you to feel vibrant both in the yoga practice as well as in all that you do. Originally from Montreal, Quebec and currently living in Vero Beach, Florida, she studied theater at Russell Sage College and discovered yoga as a way to calm her mind and feel good. With over 500 hours of training as a registered yoga teacher with Yoga Alliance, she was inspired off the mat to create unique and creative yoga classes. Her classes are tailored based on the setting, students, and inspirational themes. And she says, my goal is to empower and inspire my students to shine their light. When guiding, she uses descriptive words and tunes in to when to be silent so that each student can simply breathe. We had such a great conversation. Veronique shared her multicultural background in childhood and how that inspired her love of food and storytelling. We also talked a little bit about her love of language that really began growing up hearing Hungarian and French and English in the household and how that really inspired her as she teaches We also talked about a silent retreat that she attended when she was a young person and all the lessons that she learned when you are unable to speak and what you're able to observe as you go in further deep inward to create more peace. It was a really interesting conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Take a listen. Hi, Veronique. It's so nice to have you here with me. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. So for those that aren't familiar with you,
0: tell us a little bit about your journey and your story. Mm. It's always hard to know where to begin. I tend to go to my earliest memories at Mm. my grandparents' house and being surrounded by the Hungarian language, with my dad's family and the French language, with my mom's family, and being with this really deep love and connection to food and culture and storytelling. There's a lot of stories, a lot of connection of, where my family came from and my dad and i would often secretly rate the stories behind our hands and the longer the stories would be we would sort of (laughs) (laughs) take down the points (laughs) and my grandfather would jokingly say well it's a true story it has to have a high mark because it's true and and that feels like a really phenomenal seed of where I came from, of, of telling true stories and connection and feeling this really deeply seated connection of being together.
1: I love that so much. So my family also is from Eastern Europe and neighboring with Hungary. So I love this notion of food and storytelling and family and getting together. That makes up so much of the culture and the fabric of my childhood as well. So do you find that it's been easy for you to carry that forward in your life or are some things easier and some things
0: harder? I love language. It's been a love of mine for as long as I can remember. And I was really encouraged by my grandfather on my dad's side to put on shows for the family. And this is, Back in the day before the technologies that we have now, he bought me an Elvis Presley microphone and he hooked it up to a double cassette tape deck. And what was sweet is then my grandparents would play back these shows that I would put on in the living room of singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow and Ladies and Gentlemen and and singing songs in Hungarian and in French. and sort of linking it through together in English. And I've always been really drawn to words and descriptive words and feeling words, that there's a texture, a quality, a feeling that is really coming through. And that brought me into my first love of theater and being a theater major and bringing people together in a dark room where people get to experience something that can't be replicated and that really has carried through as a yoga instructor of we're experiencing this thing together that can't be replicated that it's unique and in the moment and through the stories maybe there's movement maybe there's stillness but most of all there's the opportunities for thought-provoking inquiry and feeling into what is happening now and how can the past inform that and then how can I step into this new moment with perhaps a little bit more acknowledgement of where I've been and feeling into an awareness of making that choice with curiosity and awe and wonderment and that childlike quality. I keep coming back to this exploration of childlike curiosity of really tapping into that energy of when we were 10 years old and we can be in that space of playfulness and creativity.
1: Yeah. Well. That sounds magical. So, that type of a class is so interesting. First, I want to ask you how did you come to yoga? How did it find you? Because it always finds us, I believe. What did that look like for you when you first experienced yoga for the first time? And maybe what was your experience?
0: Mm. I always tell the story that I discovered it in New York. I was living in New York City and Hurricane Sandy came through and my roommate at the time brought me to a yoga class. But really, when I've been telling the story, I realize it started much earlier. And I was living in Los Angeles and the first family that I nannied for, I nannied a lot when I was in my 20s. The father was and is a facilitator for meditation retreats. And he was generous enough to allow me to come to retreat at the Esselin Institute in Big Sur, California, where there was guided meditation, there was silent meals and silent walks. And there was a very resounding intention to slow down. And a lot of people in the West, like we don't often think about that as an entry point to yoga. We think of yoga as you're on a yoga mat and you're making different poses with your body. And the more I delve into the practice and the more we all delve into the practice, we start to realize that the yoga is so multifaceted and the practice exists in the meditation, in the stillness, in the self-inquiry, all of the eight limbs of finding our pathway. And it can happen while we're folding laundry, it can happen while we're driving <laughs> in conversations like this, attention to mindfulness and and so really remembering my initial entry point through that experience at Esselin and and that was a really phenomenal seed to be planted in it. And it took a while to be harvested. And then when I came to what we regard as my first yoga class, probably 10 years after that initial experience, I felt like I was coming home. Mm -hmm.
1: What was it like, you said you were in your 20s. So what was it like as a young person? going to was it a vipassana retreat was it all silent or was it just part of the time was silent
0: the majority was silent (laughs) all of the meals were completely silent it was a great freedom and it feels like a really phenomenal 180 in a sense of how we began this conversation in storytelling and conversation and sharing to there's nothing that needs to be said out loud and tuning into perhaps what's going on inside and then in that quiet, in putting the fork down in between bites, really examining what the state of being is in this moment and how to acknowledge that with compassion. And I found it to be really peaceful And I know that's not a lot of people's experience in the silence, but I felt really ready for that experience and and really grateful for the opportunity.
1: Well, he must have seen in you a maturity or at least someone who maybe was curious enough to experience it because for so many people, I think we work to fill the space, you know, silence is uncomfortable. So the best way that you can, how would you describe your relationship to self after spending time there? Like how you were able to grow, but also what did your interactions with the other folks that were there, what does that look like in silence?
0: Well, a lot of things came through. One was the disappointment of how little we need to eat (laughs) in the pausing of putting the fork down and really chewing each bite, realizing halfway through my plate that I was satiated. And I think overall, that felt like the overarching feeling of how little we need to feel satiated in the tangible things in the conversation and what we eat, what we need to do and sort of divorcing ourselves of this culture of more is better or needing to fill up the spaces as you were speaking of. And in the slowing down and just really tapping into the simplicity of it all, that felt just so largely liberating of not needing to do anything at all. I definitely have a lot of (laughs) type A-like personality in my being. I started my nonprofit theater company at 22. I barely slept in my 20s and 30s. I always felt like I had to be doing. And so now recounting this moment at the Esalen Institute and now circling to now I'm 42. and coming back to this space of slowing down and letting go of the extra and really inviting more of those spaces to surrender, just like really, really finding this deep resounding freedom of acknowledging the simplicity that everything we need is inside of us and this liberation. And so much of the yoga practice is traveling through. And I really think of it as like a re-remembering of this time and time again.
1: It's so beautiful to think about this notion that we don't need a lot to be full or complete or satisfied, as you said, or satiated. But in our fast pace, we don't recognize it. We miss the cues, right? We ignore them. So how have you been able to apply those learnings into your life today?
0: Mm. So one of the big practices that when I get asked this, <laughs> of what's the one thing I can do? I really think for me, what I find to be a large freedom is having my phone away from my person as often as possible and in fact I have my phone on do not disturb all of the time unless I'm expecting a particular message and I had a teacher explain it to me once that just really landed so much and shifted everything was when notifications come And and there is a great desire to be connected, right, of like wanting to be available and wanting to be accessible. However, the way that she put it was when you have a notification come through, you're focused on one thing, and then it's as if someone comes up to you and just shoves you in the arm, and it just completely derails what you were doing. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happens. And so I have been in spaces where I needed to be on call for something or I'm waiting for something important. And I can really, in real time, feel how that affects me in my gut. I can feel my heart start to raise. I'm very definitively shifting into this sympathetic fight or flight state of being. And so as often as possible, I really find if nothing else, (laughs) finding that when I am doing something, it's like one thing at a time, as much as possible, really tapping into my breath and allowing for the rest to sort of fade away into the distance as much as possible. And that's part of the meditation off of the mat.
1: Yeah, I do the same thing and it's so, I don't know how to describe it. It is very peaceful to not have to know that you can turn everything off and just sort of become much more still and present and focused. And the second I turn it on, like in the evening, if I'm like, okay, what happened? It's amazing to see how many things would have come through to disturb my peace throughout the day. All the emails, all the text messages, everything else. It's so much. And I don't know that we do it because we want to stay connected. I just feel like people, they have a fear that somehow they're going to be missing something that could be coming through instead of giving what we're focused on actually that same sort of priority or yeah, it's interesting. It's been like a very slippery slope, I think with all the technology that is suddenly available to us.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I think that's one of the beautiful parts of the podcast is this hearkening back to old radio shows that it's really an extension of meditation. It's like, sure, you could listen to a podcast and simultaneously do the dishes or drive to the place. And it's hard to take everything in that way. However, when we listen to a podcast or to a radio show, when we're just tuning into that sense of hearing, then we realize oh okay when we're doing this one thing at a time then we're able to actually fully process something in a way that we wouldn't ordinarily be able to while we're trying to multitask and do all of the things simultaneously
1: yeah i agree i love listening to podcasts i have so many that i really enjoy and i do feel like it's such an intimate experience because you get to listen in on two people's conversation, of course, with their permission. But I do find that I always am able to leave with something that you wouldn't ordinarily maybe pick up on a standard TV show or something else that's available because it's so authentic, right? Like just two people chatting.
0: Yes, I love it
1: so much. (laughs) So you started telling us the story of you were young and you had this passion for language and culture and food and storytelling, which I love your use of the uh, English language. It's just so beautiful. And so how were you able to weave all that together into your career? Because you are a yoga teacher and you've done your 500 hour training, right? Which is for those that aren't in the space, that is beyond the standard 200 hours that yoga teachers normally go through for certification. So how did you decide that this was something that was gonna become a larger part of your life after taking that first class?
0: Mm. So I was fortunate enough to begin my asana or the pose yoga practice, the poses that we take in the yoga practice while I was living in New York City. And I had really, really phenomenal teachers. And I started off with a little bit of an awareness of my body, just coming from a theater background. However, my theater background was in straight plays. I wasn't a dancer. I wasn't a singer. I was more aware of my body in terms of character development and embodying a character in that way versus being flexible or (laughs) balanced at all. And so I definitely came in really humbly seeing so many phenomenal practitioners around me doing things that I really loudly in my head said I would never be able to do and what was really phenomenal is my teachers really believed in me and every now and then they would come over and encourage me a little bit deeper into a pose where they would support me going upside down and different things like this and so my physical practice advanced quite a lot in the first five years and it came to a point where very consistently people around were asking if i was going to become a yoga instructor. And I remember saying, no, no, like, I actually love this. <laughs> I don't want it to be a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then around this time, as I was rounding the bend with my theater company, and I really delved so much into my nonprofit theater company, I'd operated it in Los Angeles, and then in New York City, and had been running so many different programs of producing revivals of published plays as well as championing new works and had new emerging playwriting groups and readings and was really developing really large seasons by the end of my theater company's career and though it was so phenomenal in a lot of regards some of my best friends i met through these shows and regarded pretty well in the press and through audiences and also (laughs) it produced a lot of drama and stress in my life and it was definitely a phase of my life where I was very much on my devices and I felt like I had to be in communication all of the time and I went to sleep responding to an email, and I woke up responding to an email, and I just felt like I could never catch up because there was so much to be done all of the time. And when I would come into the yoga practice space, I felt like there was none of the drama. (laughs) Everyone was there so ready to tap into their own inner peace and wanting to move their bodies in a way that felt good for them. And I I started to think if I could feel like this all of the time, then why am I resisting this? And so mm-hmm. that's when I decided, well, let me look into a yoga teacher training and just see how things unfold. I didn't know that I necessarily would teach, but I was starting to flirt with the idea of it. And it, and it took several years. It really was a slow evolution coming into that space. And really, when I started to feel into my love of storytelling and bringing people together and having these thought-provoking experiences, I thought, oh, this makes so much sense. This is very much an evolution of my grandfather encouraging Mm -hmm. storytelling in the living room. And it's in a different setting
1: it's so interesting i always love hearing people sort of stories of how they found their way into yoga and teaching because i also told myself well i just want to go deeper i love i've been practicing for so long and it feels so good i want to go deeper learn more i'm not sure if i'll ever teach and it is such a beautiful gift to be able to also share with others and so Tell me a little bit more about these classes because it sounds like your classes are not the conventional hot power Western yoga that sometimes people may expect, although maybe sometimes they do look like that. So tell us a little bit about how you choreograph your classes. Is it more intuitive? Do you start with an intention? Do you read the energy in the room? Because I love hearing how other people approach their classes.
0: Yes. So I just got back from... Blue Spirit in Costa Rica a couple days ago. And I was leading a yoga retreat there with my partner, Aaron. And we themed the whole week under heart centering. So this is an example of my entry point where rather than a whole week of backbends, for example, it was more the energetics of heart energies. So throughout the week, we had a day on love and we connected that with the sense of sight. And then the second day we were on unity and connected to the sense of smell. And so we traveled through the week. We had different entry points connected to each sense. And sometimes it was literal and sometimes it was more like, how is this washing over us? And then in the space, I really love to guide intuitively. So I'm feeling the energy of everyone in the space, and I'm feeling the energy in the space itself and the magic of the jungle and the monkeys are howling and you hear the ocean. And it's like, how can you not connect to love and heart space and all the sense? and, And I really love to have these entry points as more of an energetic, tether and then within that the movement happens and then sometimes it doesn't so then we progressed throughout the whole week and then we closed with a seated meditation which was so beautiful and so we closed with the energy of peace and so it was a seated meditation left palm to the heart right hand and thumb to index finger om shanti 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 through the rest of the fingers and then repeating again and, and again we did that for an hour and everyone was like I felt like it went by so fast. Yeah, Because at first it's like, okay, are we really doing this the whole time? And then you kinda of drop in and you get into the mm-hmm. rhythm of it. And it was just such a beautiful way to close the practice, which I hadn't intended for it to close in that way. And then yeah. in the moment it just felt like we've done the moves, we've traveled through the things and now stillness feels like the thing and so this is how i practice and guide and intuitively feel into the teaching space and it's also the practitioner space and it varies depending on the setting if it's a group if it's one-on-one if there's a framework for the workshop things like that but mostly it's intuitively feeling what The energy is in the space and the setting, and what the energetics of the intention that's coming through.
1: Mm, I love that. So, how often do you do these destination retreats?
0: Right now, once a year. However, we're looking to add one more. We're in the phases of possibly adding one in the fall. So, looking to add. A different part of the year we've been traveling in costa rica the last couple of years which has been amazing i really love costa rica and the culture and the food and the people and the setting and everything and we had such a phenomenal group this past week and had a lot of feedback of people wanting to go to italy and <laughs> portugal and all these yeah. different places yeah. and so feeling like sure let's go <laughs>
1: Yes, of course. I'm actually doing a retreat in Italy in September in Tuscany. Oh, wonderful. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I'll let you know. It's so interesting and so humbling, too, when people decide to trust you with an experience like that. So who are some of like the types of people that usually come into your retreats, and how do they find you?
0: So the majority of people are connected to my partner, Erin, and I through classes, or Erin's also a life coach, so some of her clients through that space, some of my private clients that I have locally here, as well as I have a lot of private clients on Zoom that are all over the world as well, and we tend to attract our... (laughs) (laughs) amazing type A people who wanna do all the things. And it's so funny because both Erin and I have this very focused to-do list and we are always in that space of remembering, surrender, slowing down. Mm -hmm. And so it's this perfect dance of we're re-remembering that. We're inviting our participants to re-remember that. And so we really feel like we're certainly on this journey together.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you remind yourself to surrender? Are there are some practices that work better for you?
0: Mm, yes. So I love moments of closing my eyes. And then I love moments of taking myself to nature. Nature is everything. (laughs) Letting my eyes see as far as they can see. And my favorite is the ocean. I also love being around trees and by the river. And I could look out. I mean, right now I'm on my back porch and there's this beautiful oak tree that I'm looking at and I'm surrounded by this preserve and there's a pond over here to my right and it's just you probably can hear the birds it's this reminder that nature doesn't rush and remembering nor shall we and when we're in this space of slowing down to really listen to the birds or the frogs or whoever is in chorus at the moment and there's something really tethering to being around trees. Like I remember when I was living in New York, I would just have this huge sense of relief just driving upstate a little bit and like, oh, here are the trees. (laughs) And it's this, this giant reminder to breathe more deeply, to connect back into slowing down. We tend to be such sponges to what we surround ourselves by and It was so interesting. I lived in New York for nine years, and there were times where I wasn't in a rush, but I would find myself trying to get to my destination as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. just because everyone else was. And so I think the other part of surrendering is really taking care that the people that I'm surrounding myself with are on this vibration that Mm -hmm. is as calm as possible because I tend to attract (laughs) (laughs) the energy that I am at a resting state which wants to be productive which wants to be in the space of achieving and I, I have to constantly remember to like back off from that because I can get wound up fairly easily and it's definitely a practice. It's my dharma for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, that resonates with me. Cause I too, by nature, I'm a little wound tightly. And so I feel like I'm constantly letting go, constantly reminding myself to sort of surrender, to slow down. And I like you, I'm an earth sign. I like to be grounded. I love to be barefoot in the grass and the trees and everything and so this time of year I get to enjoy the summer and that feels so good to be able to experience it but you actually moved so tell us where you are now because you're no longer in the concrete jungle of New York City
0: <laughs> but I... somewhere else <laughs> I know it's very surprising I am currently based in Vero Beach Florida which is a really small beach town about halfway between Orlando and Miami on the east coast of Florida And it's really sweet. Everything's 15 minutes away. You can drive to the beach and park right there. And the beaches aren't crowded. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Although they've progressively gotten more and more crowded since I've been here. I've been here for five years. And it's really sweet, you know. I spent the bulk of my life in the Northeast of having the Four Seasons and being in the sleeping bag, puppy coat for the bulk of the year. And (laughs) I definitely love the sun and it's been really, I actually don't mind it when it's warm. It feels much preferable to being in that deep cold that permeates through the skin and the bones and <laughs> deep into your core. I, I really love the warmth. that feels like it allows for a more open heart, right? It's like mm. hard to sit up straight and have your shoulders back when you're cold. The tendency is to kind of curl in and try to stay warm and you notice that posture. I would love people watching on the subway. and. <laughs> It's harder, particularly in this more casual time that we're in of dressing more casual and being more casual in the everyday that there's a a tendency to slouch and be curled Mm -hmm. in. And so with the climate being warmer, there is that invitation to be more upright, shoulders back, Mm -hmm. feel like maybe like the face is seeking for the sun. And yeah. <laughs> it feels a lot more uplifting, <laughs> for
1: sure. Oh, I've, I've never thought of that. That sounds amazing. It reminds me that I should be rolling my shoulders back and sitting up a little bit taller.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone <laughs> listening, just sat up a little everyone bit taller. I, I and they're like,
1: she can see me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what else are you up to? Is there anything, any other
0: projects that you're excited about right now? Yes, I'm in the process of a workshop series with my partner, Ryan Patnock, who's an acupuncturist in town. And what's really phenomenal is we've collaborated in the space of yoga with group acupuncture. And so we're in the midst of a chakra series that is a monthly series. So... Actually, this Saturday, we're traveling to the solar plexus chakra, and the format of the workshop is a circle around a fire. And this actually, it's so full circle, right? It's like our earliest ancestors gathering around the fire and telling stories. And so it's this real echo of gathering around the fire and and listening to a story, which is the Mm. form of a guided meditation. And everyone has one needle and as we've been traveling through the chakras the needle is placed at that chakra center so you have that steep for the guided meditation and then ryan takes out the needle and then i guide through asana so for this series it's a yin style yoga so it's very Mm. gentle it's stretching and then we have an extended shavasana everyone lays down in corpse pose and has the same needle of four points which is the the ren or the yin treatment so two points by the wrist and two points by the feet and so everyone's synced up and what's really great is of being in the circle is all of the acupuncture points are making that circle everyone's connected so everyone's getting their individual treatment and then they're also getting this collective treatment everyone's in that same frequency and so everyone wa- well they really float out of their feeling. Yeah. <laughs> super, super <laughs> dropped in. And so that's been a really phenomenal series. And then we're finding traveling through the senses, which will be through more of a young style practice coming up in the fall. And so I really enjoy this collaboration. It feels like a really nice coupling of these two modalities coming together.
1: I've never heard of a, a program like this, but I, I want in like that. Yes. I love acupuncture and I love <laughs> yoga. So those two things together sound absolutely amazing. And I believe you when you say people are floating out, cause I'm kind of floating as I'm thinking about <laughs> embodying that space right now. So that sounds amazing. And I'm sure that if people can find it on your website and all the details but how else can we support you and where can people find you?
0: Hmm. All the offerings are mostly on my website, which is yogawithveronique.com. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Veronique Ori, and feel free to connect there. As I love community and I love connection. Feel free to message me. I would love to connect.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. I'll include all of that in the show notes. And I ask all my guests a final question, which is tied to the title of the podcast, which is, what does it mean to you to live the width of your
0: life? Mm, I really love the feeling that the life that is in me, it, it touches you. And then there's the opportunity for that to have a really powerful ripple effect. And so I visualize that like the perfect skipping stone hitting the water and you feel and you see that ripple out as far as possible. And so I really love that idea and I see that play out of how the practice transforms someone and then how that affects their relationships at home when they go to work, then their kids and how it affects their relationships at school and then to their teachers and so on and so on. And, and just really feeling the width of that expansion of how each of our lives can really enhance the whole.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very beautiful. Thank you so much, Veronique, for our time today. And thank you for just being such a bright, shining light in this world. I love all the work that you're doing. And I do believe that you are that perfect skipping stone, right? And that you are sending all those ripples out. And I hope to be able to join you on one of your retreats or one of your classes. It might be a special trip to Florida for me to experience that. So,
0: Yeah, I would <laughs> love that. Thank you. I feel the same about you. Thank you for you're having me on your podcast it was truly a joy
1: Uh, excellent well hopefully we get to have more conversations going forward thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to today's episode if you have lost your zest for life and wondering if there's more to life than this i want you to know that there is if you are tired of being burned out and overworked i was there and now i want to help you Download my free, easy to implement daily routines checklist to empower you to take control of your personal health and well being and start to feel good again. Head out to my website for your copy, and I will see you next week.